Hi there, this is Jim. And Ralph. And we welcome you to Psychology Takeaway, where we attempt to uh, make uh, psychological sense out of uh, research and uh, the events of, uh, of uh, occurring in the world. And today, Ralph, we have a, a tragic event to help our people kind of wrap their head around. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the event of the mass shooting. Uh, uh, People, um, people killed uh, in Buffalo, New York. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and and Buffalo is, uh, I guess, to me, it's uh, not the sort of city that you think of. It's not like Baltimore, where uh, you know crime is rife, or Chicago. It's you know, as cities go, kind of a, I think, a fairly quiet place. Yeah, and uh, uh, don't we have one of the uh, one of the Niagara Falls's uh, there? Yeah, I think so. That's where the American Falls is. Yeah, and so we've got an 18-year-old who uh, allegedly committed this crime. Uh, he's been indicted, uh, I think, for murder. He went up before a judge, and what did he? Uh, uh, tell the judge. Uh, the judge uh, asked him if he understood what the charges were against him, and he said, yes, I do, sir. And the judge asked him, how do you plead? And before he could speak, his court-appointed law- uh, lawyer said, uh, we are pleading not guilty. Okay. Now, right, right at the moment, he's charged with one count of murder. Okay. Um and he's pleading not guilty. And so when I heard that, I was thinking, well, probably he's going to use the insanity defense. And, um, uh, you know, he could uh, plead that that uh, he was mentally ill and, and therefore, you know, uh, couldn't uh, uh, be held responsible for his actions. But that's a very risky uh, offense. And so I think for our listeners... I'd like us to unpack the insanity defense a little bit um, because it isn't a a get-out-of-jail-free card, as some people might think it is. Okay. Well, first of all, I think think we need to say uh, to our listeners that the definition of insanity is as much legal as it is psychological. Yeah, in fact, it is uh, a legal term. We we don't use the term insanity in uh, the psychology profession. Um, but emotionally disturbed or mentally ill, that could be something that you know we psychologists or psych- and or the psych- psychiatric community could use. But the uh, history of the insanity defense goes back to England when Daniel McNaughton shot the secretary of um, Robert Peel and uh, uh, killed him. And his attorney pleaded uh, not guilty uh, by reason of insanity. And um, we ended up with two different tests. One, whether or not the person knew that what he or she was doing was wrong. Uh, That's part of the McNaughton rule. And the other, if a person knew that uh, what they were doing, but they didn't consider it wrong. Um, they thought it was okay to do. 
uh, and often we have people who would use oh um, a reference to God. You know, God made me do it. Um, so McNaughton used the defense and uh, did not hang, but he spent the rest of his life in a psychiatric hospital. And back in the 1840s, maybe hanging would have been preferable to spending the rest of your life in an asylum. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, that was, that was still in the age when asylums were often uh, nicknamed Bedlam, and people could pay a, a few pence and, and tour to see the crazy people. Yeah, and, right. you know, uh, what, what you were fed was the cheapest possible food because everybody uh, who ran the Bedlam was uh, trying to make maximum profits. Right. Okay. So... That's McNaughton. And then recently, more recently, we've got uh, um, the uh, attempted assassination of uh, Ronald Reagan by um, uh, John Hinckley Jr. And um, uh, I think the insanity defense was used successfully there. And uh, uh, Hinckley spent uh, from the early 1980s to somewhere around 2012-2013 in uh, a mental hospital, uh, St. Elizabeth's in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., probably better conditions. Um, he's now being released. He was being gradually released starting, I think, 19, uh, 2016. Uh, and uh, he, in 2018, apparently, he's living alone and he's on the street but under you know very tight supervision um uh, and so attempting to assassinate a president is that's a very serious offense but the other one that we know of is the fellow who uh killed john lennon and that's uh, mark david chapman and he is um it did have uh, an insanity defense going on and then he changed his um uh, defense to just uh, his verdict or his plea to guilty um, disregarded the advice of his attorney uh, the judge said okay he's he's competent you know we're going to go on with the trial and uh, uh, he'll be in uh, uh, prison I think probably for the rest of his uh, his life um, so you know it's uh, it is not a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. I can remember when I was working in the prison, uh, there was a, an inmate in maximum security, and uh, he had used the insanity defense to justify or to explain uh, what he did, and uh, he had uh, engaged in um, arson. And um, so he was spent about 20 years in an Ontario um, psychiatric hospital, and um, finally he was released as uh, not um, mentally ill. The Crown came back and uh, said, good, he's not mentally ill, we can try him. And uh, he got it like a 25-year sentence. And After and 20 he, years in, in psychiatric custody. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's it's a a slippery kind of of plea you know it is not uh simply uh convincing 
a couple of psychiatrists that you're um, emotionally disturbed and you know you shouldn't be you know in an institution here in Michigan we have um, a um, uh, a statute uh, it's called um, guilty but um, uh, emotionally disturbed um, and the the uh, idea here is that the crime itself would be um, judged to be a crime you know the, the person is guilty of some sort of heinous act uh, but they should get psychiatric attention and not just you know penal attention so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens in you know this particular case you know um we don't usually have um mass shooters you know and now we've got as far as i can tell two of them that i'm sure will be studied like crazy you know we've got uh, uh two people one in here in michigan and one this 18 uh, year old in uh, uh, New York State. What do you know about uh, uh, Peyton, Ralph? Well, his uh, his name is Peyton Gendron, uh, and he is uh, one of three brothers uh, who grew up in a little town in the southern part of New York, uh, graduated from high school, uh, played baseball in high school and his community, I mean, it's a, it's a town of about 5,000. So it's one of those towns, which is small enough that most people have interconnections and know who the families are and so on. And they say his parents, uh, were, are very nice people. His brothers, uh, are nice kids. He was apparently a nice kid that people liked him. He wasn't uh, a goth loner or anything like that. But, hey, Ralph, didn't, yeah. didn't you mentioned high school? Didn't he threaten to kill people in this high school? Well, he did, and um, he said he was going to shoot up the school. He thought at graduation, and okay, yeah. and they. Um, they said he was going to have to be uh, involuntarily evaluated, uh, mm-hmm. and he was evaluated, and he, they found that he was rational and that he was uh, capable of, of reasoning, that he knew that that uh, idea of saying that threat was wrong, even though he said, well, you know, it was just a joke. I, I I had no intention of doing so. And so the evaluators said, well, he's okay. And so he wrote, apparently, although it's been taken down now, so it's not uh, available online unless you're very clever with with your computer, Uh, he wrote a 180-page manifesto And one of the things that he says in there is, uh, I believe myself to be perfectly sane. Now, you know, if if you're saying that in what you have written uh, literally days before you go in and shoot up a supermarket and kill uh, 10 people, um, that 
I think that kind of puts paid to a, uh, by reason of insanity defense, or it certainly makes it a lot diff- more difficult to, uh, to, to claim that. Yeah, right. You know, I did a study once where I looked at uh, the um, MMPI profiles of uh, violent criminals, uh, mainly murderers, and uh, most of them did not have uh, uh, MMPI profiles that put them into the um, uh, abnormal range. For the most part, you know, people only kill one or two <laughs> problems in their life. They use they use murder to solve a problem, which is not the best way to solve a problem. But after they have gotten rid of the uh, offending uh, person, whoever that might be, uh, they they get uh, caught. They you know go to go to prison, um, but they're not. Um, stark raving bonkers. Uh, yeah, but, and and I think Jim that we can maybe safely say that uh, the average, if there's such a thing, the average murderer uh, kills his uh, cheating business partner or his cheating spouse and her lover, uh, and then you know, kind of one and done. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they're among the safest people uh, to release from prison after they've paid their debt to society uh, 25 years or whatever, because they're very unlikely to uh, to say, I'm going to do it again. Right, right. Where, now, where the guy we... who, who has a history of sticking up banks gets out of hey, jail and says, that's I where go they keep the money. Yeah, yeah that's, where they, that's right. Why do you rob banks? Because that's where they keep the money. Now, there's some uh, rumor out there that uh, Peyton was motivated by hearing about or seeing um, uh, information on the uh, uh, multiple murder in Australia. Do you have you run across anything uh, with that, Ralph? Yeah, it's actually in New Zealand, and he said that okay. his biggest inspiration uh, the the guy who had the most to do with radicalizing him was uh, a fellow named uh, uh, Brenton Tarrant uh, who killed in uh, 2019 he killed 51 Muslim people who were having a a service uh, where uh, basically there were two mosques and they were uh, going from uh, one mosque to another, and somehow he got into the mosque and uh, and killed 51 people. Wow, you know, and probably he's never met this. Uh, this what did you call? What was the name of the guy? Brandon. Brandon Tarrant. Yeah. No, he's never met him. He uh, he said that it was uh, viewing the uh, videos that were on newscasts. Uh, of his crime, uh, which apparently there were some cameras taking pictures when Tarrant was uh, was killing these people, and listen, and he, uh, reading his posts uh, of why he was uh, why he was anti-Islamic, uh, and so uh, Peyton apparently had developed uh, this replacement uh, theory that said uh, 
there are forces in the world that are trying to replace white people with people of color. And uh, so, uh, among other things, uh, the uh, people of color have more children. Uh, the, uh, the whites are, you know, falling so, yeah. below replacement birth rate. And so basically it's a racist meme that he's, he's experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, you know, the whole thing is uh, that we're, uh, we're going down. We will be replaced by, and in his case, in the manifesto, uh, he says um, blacks, Asians, Hispanics, and oddly enough, Jews, because oh, yeah. he blames the Jews uh, for controlling the media that uh, is is leading this uh, replacement theory idea. Yeah. yeah. So if you listen to what or read what he's saying, uh, out of one side of his face, he's saying, uh, "I understand what I've done." Uh, his lawyer is saying, "Not guilty." And uh, some of what you just uh, reported, Ralph, is pretty borderline wacko to me, at least. We'll have to see what comes out. But, um, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I I don't know about that. There's another thing, Jim, that uh, apparently was posted in in this manifesto that... uh, kind of really suggests to me that uh, that he's a, a 19 or 18 year old person with a great deal of enemy and angst and nihilism because he says the truth is my personal life and experience are of no value wow yeah that so, sounds like uh, nihilism to me Okay, well, this is an unfolding story, and we did uh, take a break from talking about the DSM to try and shed a little bit of light on it, and probably by next week we'll have more information. And so for next week it'll either be uh, more uh, kind of uncovering uh, Peyton, and what did you say his last name was, Ralph? Uh, Gendron. Peyton Gendron's story. Or we'll move to uh, the DSM uh, three. So yeah, and, and one of the interesting things about looking at uh, DSM three, four, and now five is that uh, these are are uh, guidance that might help uh, professionals in working with people to try and uncover. Um, some of the problems that people have, but, you know, they're really not, um, and I don't know of anything that is uh, really designed to help people who have absolutely so little feeling of self-worth as uh, Peyton seems to have. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting look at, uh, at at him, and maybe we'll be able to, to uh, um, 
understand or uncover some of his aspects by looking at the DSM. But for this week, we've gone a little bit over, but uh, this is an important story, I think, and it's one that's causing a lot of people you know, consternation. It's hard to get your head wrapped around something like this. So until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying, keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this. All in this together. Yeah, yeah.